0: the WNHH Radio's High Haven, a program about everything Jewish in our community. Right now, our community is busy lighting Hanukkah candles every night, not just on Fridays, but for the festival that has begun as of last night, Tuesday, and if this is a rerun, don't worry, it was about last night, Tuesday's. we did the show. Stacey Patat knows a lot about Hanukkah, from how it's observed in Israel to how here in New Haven, groups like hers, the Jewish Federation's PJ Library, involve the community, in our celebration of Hanukkah. So we're going to talk about today, plus we're going to hear a book read. Stacy, thanks for coming back in the studio. So nice to see you again.
1: Great to be here, Paul.
0: And obviously we've known each other for years, but it's a different setup on the radio when you help share what you know about Yiddish Khaed and just Jewish observance with everybody else. I saw you last night, Stacey. Tuesday night, they did the communal Hanukkah lighting in Westville neighborhood.
1: We had marched down with our little lights, our little uh, glow lights from the Mitchell Library.
0: So first you had kids at the Mitchell Library as yes. it was getting dark, and you had an author of a new Hanukkah book.
1: We did. Renee, I don't have her last name in front of me, but I'm. Um, she did a great dreidel book, and we have to find her name to really later post that for her.
0: And then, so the kids read the stories, and then you marched, they and the adults marched We, we did them. some
1: Hanukkah songs with them, we told them all about our PJ Library events, and we spoke to a lot of new families the interfaith families that don't have pj library books coming to their home for free every month that are raising jewish children and that's pj library's mission is to make sure we bring light to the community by letting parents understand in their own way why it being in their pjs in their pajamas which is what pj library is for is a great way to convey values to the kids at night through books Right. So that's what we talked
0: about. So you read a Hanukkah book, then you went down for the first night of Hanukkah at the public parking lot, where you could also get your electric vehicle charged and get a um, one, of those, one of those ride-sharing things you can get with the cars. But you had everyone gathered from Westville, Jews and non-Jews alike, young and old, to light the menorah. That's going to be at that corner throughout Hanukkah. And I, I stopped by. I was a little late because they said it wasn't going to start 5 5.15 or 5.30, but I got there around 5.05. It was lit. <laughs> so I missed that. But you had a nice band singing the songs, and yes. you led the prayers, the brachot, for lighting the candles. How'd it go?
1: It was wonderful. Cold night. Kind of got a little chilly and rainy. But the families had a great spirit. It was really nice. It was nice to collaborate with all the different partners of, you know, Mitchell and, and Westville Alliance and Becky. And it was just a really nice yeah, That's right. Becky's
0: the synagogue where I go and... and um. Shoshana from Becky was, uh, Zach's was lighting it with you. And then you had, um, but also the Westville Renaissance group, which, because they want, they have a Christmas tree too. So they, I don't want to talk about this a little later about how we combine those celebrations this time of year or not combine them. And, but PJ Library is the organization you run at of the Jewish Community Center, where you, PJ Library is a national organization that's, if you sign up, you get Jewish books to read with your kids. It's one of my favorite things when I have little kids to read the books together this time of year. And, uh, and you get them books regularly, but you also hold events with families, with parents and kids, and you read the books out loud, right?
1: Yeah, we have. I mean, last night actually was an author that the library had brought in, but I'm doing a few readings, and a lot of local rabbis are coming, and we're doing sing-alongs and story times at Barnes & Noble coming up, so all that the day long. Is the downtown New Haven one, Next the Yale Sunday, bookstore? Milford, Milford. Oh, Milford, okay. We're, gonna, we're doing Milford. So it's a bigger space, and we have the children's area, and they love to have us there every and year. And I'm
0: going to ask you, Stacey, to get real close to the mic. So that's on Sunday. You're doing that what time?
1: December 17th. We have a 10 a.m., a noon, uh, 2 p.m., uh, 3.30, 5.30, and a 6 p.m. reading and sing-along. So it's going to be a you great know, You have great five day separate day. events. At the five, I, yeah. Oh, it's the All height day of the shopping long. event, too. It's the, the, the height day. of the shopping time. The so last Sunday before Christmas here, Eve.
0: Holy cow. Home.
1: So well, that's I'm excited about that.
0: So now how do you feel about that? Going to suburbs, which are not primarily Jewish, and you're going there to bring Jewish culture because there are plenty of Jews who live in the suburbs, but they're not the dominant culture. What role do you feel you're playing, Stacy, when you go to a Barnes and Noble on Sunday at the height of the crazy materialistic Christian Christmas season? And there you are at a major store, Barnes and Noble, as busy a store as any, and there you're gonna be five different times on the double double hour, reading Hanukkah stories and singing Hanukkah songs. What role do you feel you're playing there?
1: I feel a role of a facilitator and always an observer of what people are looking for when they try to quiet down to look for where they can find their own little lights and their own little miracles. And a lot of non-Jews are open to the fact that they want to learn about other cultures and there's much more of an inclusive feeling in that. And then there are all the interfaith families that are so appreciative because they don't have a synagogue to go to and they're so happy to come out to events we're Israeli families, as we families that don't necessarily go to a synagogue. So they feel that there's someone in the public representing them, and a lot of the clergy that help me. So Rabbi Farbman, it'll be his second year, and Alvin Waynehouse, Rabbi Waynehouse from Orange, will both be there at different times in the evening, and the cantor and Malachi both, they're both from B'nai, both B'nai Jacob. Of, they're all three of them are real musical <coughs> talents. And, and the new cantor from B'nai Jacob, Malachi. Yeah. It's incredible, yeah. Canfer. So he's, they're all three going to be there at different times in the evening. How fun. And to get to meet them is really nice on their own, just in a public space without any kind of the pressure of, do they have to be observant Jews?
0: And you mentioned you're reaching Jews who are don't already, because Hanukkah is primarily a home holiday and then a synagogue holiday. It's oh, yeah. so like last night we you had the candle lighting, I was up the hill half hour late. We did our, you know, our nightly minion, prayer minion at Bekei, Bethel, Kester, Israel, and then we started by lighting the Hanukkah and saying the prayers every night. But, but it really begins as a home holiday, doesn't it? Where you're really supposed to show the Hanukkah, the menorah that we light every night. We do one candle the first night, do the second, plus the shamash, the helper. We put it in our window facing outward. So if we're lighting right to left, we're actually turning it around so you could see it in the right way outside the window. It sounds to me like you have a different, not a different mission, an added mission to reach those Jews who don't get to have that experience of Hanukkah.
1: That's why I, I find such a joy in that, being able to really be out there and let people know that Hanukkah can be celebrated in their own ways too by developing and learning. We all are you know, such creatures of being able to learn from our lives and and along the way they can learn how to tell a new story or learn a new area of Judaism that they want to convey through Hanukkah.
0: So for a lot of people think of Hanukkah as we roll the dreidel or we give gifts, which I think is more played up here in America because it's around the time of Christmas and people get gifts, even though our... Hanukkah is not a major holiday halakhically by Jewish law, right? I mean, Passover, Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. um, Sukkot, even Yat Atzeret are all much more important holidays. We're not allowed to work on those holidays. We're home with family all day. We're doing extra prayers for Hanukkah. We do do the extra prayer every morning with Halel. We do do the lighting in our home, but we go about our lives. It's not a major holiday. It's not in the Torah, but it seems to have this added significance in America. Do you think it's because of Christmas?
1: Oh, definitely. And now, and now because of the you know the worldwide. Collaboral global world of consumerism. Israel has it too. But years ago, when my husband grew up in Israel and I've spent many years there, it was never about the gift. so And and the idea that here, I think that, that it can be much more about giving light and that's what actually, the having eight nights to do that is and actually I do love a really Hanukkah. cool
0: thing. Like when I grew up, we weren't that observant or anything. For me, I thought it was a gift holiday and you light a menorah, which is cool, light a menorah. But I realized that it's more about, well, there are three things. One is that we're supposedly celebrating when the, the Maccabees took back the temple from the Syrian Greeks and we were able to observe the way we wanted to. And then there was supposedly a miracle where there was enough oil to light the menorah. They got the menorah back, which even though it's eight nights for Hanukkah, it's actually seven, um, usually seven candles or lights in in, during the year with the menorah. Right. But they lasted eight days. Right. So that, although my rabbi says he thinks that's an overplayed miracle that it's like (laughs) your, your gas gauge says E and you think you don't have enough gas to get home, and you get home, it's a miracle. <laughs> you know, maybe they had enough oil. But anyway, and then the other part is that some people then talk about significance. Some people feel like it's about not assimilating. But it was also a civil war, <clears throat> right? because there were two groups of Jews, and one were cooperating, assimilating more with the Hellenists, and the others, the Maccabees, said, we're the real Jews. We're going to do, Jews, do Judaism our way. But then the story that never gets told is after they won, they became these, like, fundamentalist, crazy Oppressive leaders, and there was, you know, fratricide, and their rule didn't last so long, and it was a brutal time in our history. But we don't talk about that part.
1: Very interestingly, you're bringing it up. I haven't really looked at it for a few years, but I remember reading about that. And we do have, I mean, we have lessons to learn in all of those areas, whether it's overcoming our own for victory's sake, like the Maccabees, for things that we need to overcome in our lives. And we have the idea of rededication and celebration. Right,
0: dedication, rededicating the temple. And rededicating,
1: re, and temple. rededicating um, right, something that's important to us in our lives. And also I think the less, lesson of inclusion, as much as we need to stand for our values, is really, really essential to what we have in this world today, what we can learn from. And what I love about Jewish so,
0: holiday, Stacy, is that we love to argue as Jews or look for the gray areas of different meetings. And like no holiday would be complete without having... Great disagreements going back centuries on the meaning, right? right? So some, right, people, right. Like some people would right. say this is against fundamentalism, right? Represented by the Maccabees. But other people would say, and maybe these aren't opposite... It's a, That doesn't mean you should be assimilating.
1: Right. Right. No, there's, it's always, it's a fine line that we have. I think the paradoxes of life in general, like, I, we, I don't know if you just saw The Chosen, but I, I, did, I did just see The Chosen. Like, both of those things are included. Intent, so, ideas are intention in ideas all cultures, intention.
0: like the way Martin Luther King and Malcolm X had intention, or right. W. Du Bois and Booker mm-hmm. T. Those weren't necessarily opposite ideas. And again, with the Judaism, we... We do need to hold to our culture and not assimilate, which is a real danger this time of year. Right. But that doesn't mean we need mm. to be fundamentalists who exactly. then exclude within our group people who observe differently.
1: And it, both. Both both are the paradoxes that we live in. And you mentioned something about the miracle that lasted longer than the seven days into the eight. and made me think of our breath, because I do a lot of work with, like, with kids with breath and with adults too. When you breathe even deeper, you can breathe e- even more of your soul, of your neshama, through the neshima, through the breath. Uh-huh. So when you take a breath, we don't breathe deep enough. We can go deeper. And All I love right. the idea of how breath can be worked at a little more like a miracle. Like we do, that's a, that's a miracle. Our breath is a miracle. There are a lot of it songs is. about
0: and that. We, and we, that's the first prayer we say in the morning. Exactly. Thanks for giving me this breath. That I, and, I, and with Going Deep here on High Haven, on WNHH Radio, your home for Community Radio, 103.5 FM live stream at newhaveninbin.org. Stacey Batat is here talking to us about Hanukkah. She helps make Hanukkah happen in greater New Haven in a lot of ways. And so that people who aren't already doing it every night at their home and lighting the Hanukkah or going to shul and doing the extra prayers, the Hallel, she makes sure that all sorts of Jews can be part of Hanukkah and non-Jews or sort of Jews in a message of inclusion, which we were just talking about can be the positive meaning We take out the it, as well as the beauty of light. I really love looking. We know, it's right at dusk often when you light them or just when it turns dark I mean, you can light it any time at night if you didn't get to it, but they actually tell you you're supposed to try to do it at that time you did it last night in Westville as it's getting dark, which doesn't make necessarily at the beginning the brightest light, but that it gets brighter as it gets darker outside, right. and it doesn't last as long as a Shabbos candle usually. These candles burn less, and we have to make sure we don't burn our houses. They tell you to actually blow them out, unlike on Shabbos, before you leave the house so your curtains don't go up. But but Stacey Batat, what you do is you go around PJ Library, partly using song, partly using stories, to help people appreciate the holiday. You brought a book in today. I did. What's the book called?
1: Uh, It's called Gracie's Night, A Hanukkah Story by Lynn Taylor Gordon and illustrated by Laura Brown. And it's also about the idea that, you know, we do have eight nights, so instead of making them about... um, about gifts, we have the opportunity to bring light in different ways. And so that's Excellent. what I love about the holiday. So
0: you're going to read us this book because at PJ Library, you do a lot of that. and You can be doing that at Barnes and Noble in Milford this weekend. Every two hours, you're going to be reading stories about Hanukkah and you're going to have Hanukkah singing Hanukkah. So there are very nice songs about Hanukkah. Stacey, I'm going to ask you please to get so close to that mic while you're reading because some of your okay. words are popping out. And okay. so this, th- again, the name of the book is.
1: Gracie's Night, it's a Hanukkah story by Lynn Taylor Gordon and illustrated by Laura Brown.
0: All right, let it rip.
1: One late autumn evening, snow fell like lace on the tip of the nose of a girl named Grace. It was holiday time in New York, Gracie City, where light, fluffy snow had made everything pretty. Gracie's breath swirled as she swished down the street with patches of snow crunching under her feet. Tasting the snowflakes that fell from the sky, she happily nodded as people passed by. Store mannequins modeled their holiday best, long, shimmering dresses and handsome wool vests. So lovely and stylish, each seemed to say, You can be just like us if you shop here today. But Gracie sighed, leaning in toward the glass, traced a heart with her finger and hurried on past. For right down the street and around the next block was her favorite store, The second chance shop. It sold gently worn clothing, like sweaters and hats, plus books, toys, and puzzles. Neat stuff like that. After wishing inside on a cold gust of wind, she beelined it straight into the mittens bin. Her old mittens were ragged and lead in the air, so Papa had sent her to buy a new pair. She tried on a right with a sweet, fluffy, furry cuff, then modeled the left with some sparkly stuff. She doubled. She doubted she would find any twins in the batch. But suddenly, ha! Two great mittens that match! They were Gracie's size in soft royal blue, her favorite shade, and her papa's, too. At the counter, the lady asked, Box, dear, or bag? I'll wear them right now. Could you just snip the tag? Of course. My big sail's on, so luck's come your way. I'll throw in the scarf for your best friend today. Why, thank you, said Gracie. Now we'd better go. It's time to get home, so they left in the snow. On the frosty walk home, they kept on a quick pace, and she held the warm mittens up close to her face. They expertly leaped into puddles and ice, then met a French poodle who was ooh-la-la nice. When, Fr- when Gracie found Papa asleep in his chair, she gave him a long hug and knew he was, th- and so he'd know she was there. Thank you, Papa, she said playfully as she swirled her new mittens on top of his head. She showed him the mittens. So what do you think? Now your hands will be warm, he replied with a wink. They shared their apartment with Gracie's dog, Max, a loyal old boy who did tricks for his snacks. A goldfish named Lox and a stray cat named Bagel each had a place at their small kitchen table. They played cards and checkers and had lots of fun. For money, for extras, there simply was none. No dance lessons, no restaurants, no fancy clothes, just bargains and hand-me-downs, plenty of those. A ping in a pail meant the ceiling was leaking, <clears throat> the old heater dinged, and the floorboards were creaking. Although there were holes in, in his old thinking chair, Papa didn't stop thinking, getting things done there. He worked as a bus driver during the day at a cross-town route from, for the MTA. Though he worked very hard and worked overtime, too, he still couldn't pay all the bills that were due. With Hanukkah coming and little to spend, Gracie declared, All this worry must end. On Thanksgiving morning, the big paper came. Gracie studied the winter ads, and one had her name, Holiday Help. In big letters, it read, she circled it twice. That's for me, Gracie said. Now Gracie was employee number 488 at Macy & Company. Isn't that great? Because she was short, at first some things were rough, but she found a way to become tall enough. And Gracie liked maths, so she made change with ease and always remembered, thank you and please. She sold neckties and perfume and chocolate candy. The shoppers loved Gracie. Her job was just dandy. Eight presents for Papa, eight Hanukkah nights, and money to shop with. What a delight. With pencil in hand, Gracie shopped every floor. She checked off each gift as she moved through the store. She bought mittens and sweaters, snow boots and socks. She had them gift wrapped with a bow on each box. When her shopping for Papa was finally complete, Gracie felt happy and light on her feet. She glided across Macy's smooth marble floor and, twirling her bag, stepped out of the store. It was snowing outside, a bitter cold night, when Gracie beheld the saddest of sights. A homeless man huddling inside a big box with holes in his shoes and holes in his socks. His hands were in fists, frozen and torn. His coat was too thin to keep this man warm. Gracie stood motionless, feeling his pain. She gazed at her mittens, remembering again how her hands had hurt in the cold winter air. Watching him shiver was too hard to bear. She left him the gifts. Her decision was clear. The man in the box never knew she was there. She thought of her papa and she turned away. You did the right thing, she knew he would say. There weren't many gifts on those Hanukkah nights, but with Hanukkah guilt and other delights, little crisp gold latkes and dreidels to spin, as they lit their menorah, they felt warm deep within. They recited the blessings and gathered around, the glow of the candles dwindling down. Then Gracie took Papa's gift down from a shelf, an old woman wooden frame she had fixed up herself. Now sanded and painted, the frame looked brand new. Her Papa said, I know just what to do. My Gracie, said Papa, where do I start? I love that you have such a beautiful heart. That man who was homeless, he needed warm clothes but I wouldn't trade you for a million of those. <laughs> you gave him a miracle, though he'll never know. It was you who stood by him that night in the snow. I love you, my papa, Gracie quietly said. He, she, he held her face softly, kissed her head. Become someone's miracle. Be someone's light. Give up just one gift on one Hanukkah night. Someone in need could be waiting for you. Gracie would say, it's the right thing to do.
0: Whoa, very nice. That's Stacey Batat from PJ Library here on High Haven at WNHHFM, reading one of the books that she goes around reading in public during this Hanukkah holiday to help spread the light of Hanukkah. Gracie's Light, it's, it's written by whom?
1: By Lynn Taylor Gordon and illustrated by Laura Ground Brown. I like, I like that one. A few, we, a few other events, too, besides Barnes & Noble now, or would you like it, me to talk about it later? Sure. So there are a few other things. There's also a Hanukkah and Guilford Free Library on Thursday, 4.30 to 5.30. Um, that's actually tonight, that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's an annual reading of Eric Kimmel's book. It's beautiful with Rabbi Hirsch Sommer. And this, there's also going to be a big community Hanukkah at the JCC because we're finally back. So we're yeah. going to...
0: After the fire. After the built. fire.
1: So talk about rededication. On oh, yeah. actually the Monday, 5.30 to 7.30 of December 18th, hi, December 18th, Monday, we are coming back to the JCC to welcome the community for Hanukkah with uh, DJ, games, prizes, and latkes. And so if they will RSVP to, uh, to me, Library at jewishnewhaven.org, it would be great, but I, we'd love to have you walk into and celebrate the dances and games and Hanukkah again at the JCC. That sounds
0: wonderful. And Shelly Wyman Gans writes in, yay, Stacy spending the light of Hanukkah to greater New Haven. I second that emotion, Shelly Wyman Gans. <laughs> and you know, I've always, when I had my kids, at home, when they were little, one of my favorite books was Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. Oh, no, no. One about the latkes, because the latkes, we eat the pancakes, because that's made with the oil. It's an oil yeah. holiday. So we have sufganiyot, the donuts made in oil, the Hanukkah pancakes, the thin, um, often with onion. My father used to say, you have to have a little blood in the onion, because you have to, when they're grating the onions and the um, oh, the really? potatoes, <laughs> the, the genuine ones he had. He always talked about being in the army in the South, training during Hanukkah, and he were brought to some Jewish woman's home, and she had made the best latkes, and she... Graded so hard, a little bit of the blood from her fingers went in. But, <laughs> but I remember her show was like his wife was saying, why does another person in the town, it was a helm story in Poland, um, make these better latkes, we want to make them as good as theirs. So he hid and snuck in by their window and watched how she made them. And she came back and told him, them, I said, well, he, she uses twice as much water. And so we're going to step by step to make them like her. And every step the, mother, the wife would say, that's ridiculous. Who ever heard of putting that much water? Who else putting twice as much flour? Who ever heard of adding, you know, a beet in there? So in the end she made them the way she actually always made them, but thought they were still copying the recipe because it's chelm, and the point of the story of course, is people chelm, are deluded, and they said, and they were all laughing at how that woman thinks she has some better way of making lockers.
1: <laughs> I think sometimes we're all a little deluded thinking there's a better way, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we all we all have our own ways, and that's the idea with Jews that we keep questioning, and sometimes we can integrate some great new ideas too. So
0: the Gracie story mentions snow this time of year. You've spent time in Israel um, at Hanukkah because you married into an Israeli family, and how's it different there? Obviously there's no snow is is the fact Is the celebrating a holiday like this in a country that's majority Jewish rather than Jews as minority? Where Christmas is just wall to wall for more than a month now, with every song you hear on the radio, every decoration up at a at a store. How's it different in Israel?
1: It's different because it doesn't have the major focus. It's not as big of a consumer holiday, and so it is a much more of a home celebrated ho- uh, holiday. It doesn't have uh, the, the. There are so many holidays in Israel. That are celebrated with a lot more visual effect, like sukkah, Sukkot, where people are putting their little booths and huts up with decorations, and that's a more visual holiday. And then we have Passover, I and mean, we just holiday. have so many holidays that have a richness that Hanukkah is among them. But it.
0: So what happens in Israel? People go to work, obviously. They don't take off work for Hanukkah, do they?
1: No, I, you know, I haven't been in Israel for. I don't even remember last time I was there for oh, Hanukkah, okay. so I'm not going to be able to access my experiential memory. But I do know that it didn't used to be as big of a consumer holiday, and now it's grown to be a, a bit more. Well, why is that? I think the global world, they like Christmas too. People just like the idea, and, and Christmas has that. It has that has that feeling of light and people being kinder, and I think that you know there's a resonance that people feel in the idea of being maybe a global community that offers more. So I always
0: feel torn at Hanukkah. Obviously, I don't like to play up the consumerism. I like the spiritual aspect. But I, I feel like we're pulled in two directions. One is we do want to celebrate this holiday. It's great to rededicate ourselves in whatever way we want to do it, whether it's the people back then, rededicate ourselves, living Jewishly, being proud of who, who we are, about the light and remembering our history, debating those issues about not assimilating but not being fundamentalist and excluding people within our community. But we also, I, I always feel there's a danger of Me Too, that we don't, have It is a kind of assimilation to try to make Hanukkah like Christmas, and to have to put a big menorah on the green. Like it's not a terrible thing to do, but it's. And but like most Jews don't go there to do that. It's. It's really mostly the Lubavitch branch whose mission is to sort of reach the non-affiliated Jews to go out in public and claim that public space. But for most Jews, we don't need to go claim a public space on the green. We have our synagogues, we have our homes, and, and I just wonder sometimes whether we have a tension of trying to be too much like the non-Jews, and try to make Hanukkah too much like Christmas.
1: That's a very deep subject, Paul. I do believe that both are true. I do believe that both are true. I think that people that already have the value of being able to do a home celebration can figure it out themselves, especially for Hanukkah. But I also believe that there are plenty of people who never really got what Hanukkah is or they've intermarried and they feel like, you know, I'd like to know more. I'd like to teach my children a little about what it is, their Jewish history and heritage. So I think both are possible.
0: Well, I think the best solution to that is what you do is the mm-hmm. way you go out and you make opportunities for people who aren't already celebrating our home or just want to do a little more of it right. and connect exactly. with people. And what more amazing place to do that than Barnes and Noble this Sunday, what, at, eight, at 1030 at noon at two and four and six, mm-hmm. where you're going to have some amazing musical talent, right. Rabbi Waynehouse House, more Shalom. Rabbi Farman from um, the, the Reform Temple she- Emanuel. Temple You have Malachi Canfer from B'nai Jacob. They're going to help you sing the songs, which are really nice. And at the end of this, I'm going to play one of my favorite new interpretations at the end of this show from John McCutcheon. But before we go, any final words you want to remind people of all your events? You have the JCC on Monday.
1: And also Barnes and Noble. One other, besides myself, doing a few of the events. Uh, we also have the Israeli Young Emissaries coming. Now, these are people. 2:30. These are
0: people who are just college age who come to spend a year in our oh, community, yeah. sponsored by Jewish families. They live. In Jewish families' homes, they work at Ezra Academy, right, with the kids there at the school. They do a lot of events through the JCC, and we all get to know them for a year. So they're going to be participating in this Hanukkah celebration.
1: Well, the Rotem and Talia, two of them are going to come and do some singing with us right around 2, 2.30. So if you can be there and you know, And that's the
0: Milford Barnes and Noble on oh, Boston Milford, Post North. Road. Yep. Well, Stacey, thanks for all you do. You're one of my favorite sort of spreaders of Yiddishkeit in, in Greater New Haven with such a great spirit. Any parting thoughts about Hanukkah?
1: Just wishing people the ability to each night see if they can increase their, their, their own light a little bit more and see observe things a little more for where they can use their gifts of light.
0: Is it fair to say you're doing that through all the work you're doing with PJ Library, whether it was Tuesday night's event at the Mitchell Library and the Lighting in Westville or this weekend, Saturday at Barnes & Noble, Monday at JC. I mean, you're busy. Yeah. You're spreading your light.
1: Yeah, I love it. I yeah. love it. I feel really blessed to do it.
0: Well, thank you, Stacey Bittott, and thank you for joining us on High Haven. You. talking about Hanukkah on WHH 13.5 FM. You know what I'd like to take it out with? I, one thing I love about Hanukkah is all the music, modern musicians reinterpreting the Hanukkah songs. And one of my favorite ones is John McCutcheon doing Mozart. Mozart. is a song we always sing, which gets interpreted so differently in the English from each different prayer book. It's that's almost nice. like an entirely different song. Is it this triumphalist military song or is it the beauty of the light? And that's again one of the threads that we're always debating within judaism jama did mods we're going to take it out with jama doing that that number and thank you again stacy batatan good luck my pleasure thank
1: this you this is your prime